most important day in the whole of the Christian calendar of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And um, this morning, we're going to be looking at four points. And for us as a church, we've been looking at these for quite a few weeks, haven't we? Um, Giving them out to friends just to say, this is the gospel. So it's these four points of this good news that we've got. And I I guess I wanted to start by asking each of you, here's a question out to you. Let's make it a bit interactive. What are some of the things that you love most? Shout them out, be brave. Family? What was that? Chocolate. Food, yes. Good food. Football, yeah. Sorry, what, Chris? Everton, for some. Don't know why. Some things we love, we just, yeah, puzzles us, doesn't it? What else? Someone say my wife. Who's after the brownie points this morning? Look at that. He's on it. Everyone else, all the guys are thinking, man, opportunity missed. So listen, I had a look on Google. I was looking at some of the things that Google tells us people love the most. Are we on? It's not technology, I tell you. Let me just give this to Neil a sec. Because I haven't switched it on. Is it? Hold it down. Oh, there we go. So let's have a look to see what are some of the things that people love most. And um, yes, Cathy said it. We've got chocolate there. That's something people love. We've got sports. Rach is in there on the sports side. Music. Okay, this is in the top six things. I know that's penguins, but it's not penguins actually. It's little cute animals. Okay, it's something that people love. Money is something that people love. Finally, Marmites. You either love it or you hate it, don't you? I hate the stuff. But you know, the Bible tells us, and it tells us very quickly, the thing that God loves most. If we were to ask God, what is it that you love most? I want to look at this verse here. He says, for he chose us. In him before the creation of the world. God chose you and I to be with him before the creation of the world. So before he did anything, before he spoke other things into being, he chose you and I to be his. And it wasn't that actually he waited until until he made us and decided, "Do, do these guys really love me? He chose to love you and I no matter what. Whether we showed him love or not, he chose to love us no matter what. And he actually tells us that out of all of the things that he made, the stars and the planets and the mountains and the animals, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, actually it's you and I that he loves most. Did you know that? Yeah? Of course you did. And it says that he's made us in his image. Okay, he's made us in his image. He loves us enough to single us out as human beings to be made in his image. And I was thinking about this um, proposition of image. What does image mean to be made in his image? It's a little bit complex, isn't it? And I was thinking about images and realized that actually we carry around images with us all the time. There's images here on money. 
isn't there? Here's a five-pound note. And there's images on here. There's holograms. We have a picture of the Queen and a picture of Winston Churchill. And actually, images are helpful because they help us to know what value that we are. What value are we? And I could take this piece of paper here with a five-pound written on it, but it doesn't have the right images on. What's this worth? Absolutely nothing. Or, or however many point of a pence. And so images are really, really important for us to understand who we've been made to be. And the Bible tells us that we're all image bearers of God. And so that means we, when God created us, he made us in his image, which means we get to experience emotions like God. We get to experience joy this morning, celebration, happiness, but we also get to experience sadness, okay? These are all things that God can feel. It means we have minds that can choose to love people. It means we get to be creative like our creator God. It means we get to be in relationship with people and enjoy relationships because God loves relationships. He loves being in relationship with people. And the Bible tells us God loves us so much that he wants to spend time with you and I. That's his desire to be with us and to spend time with us. And he actually says he he wants to be loved by us, his creation, his people. And more than anything else that he's made, he adores you and I. And it's why we were created. But something happened, didn't it? Something happened that affected the relationship that we have with Jesus. Can anyone tell me what happened? Sin. Sin came along. There it is. And you know, sin's one of these words that's in the Bible that today is quite difficult to understand, isn't it? What is this word sin that we hear banded about? And I need a volunteer to come and help me to explain or understand this word sin. Who wants to come and help me out? Charlie. Let's give Charlie a round of applause. Okay, I've got a bow and arrow here. Don't worry, it's not real. Well, it is real. It's not going to hurt anyone. So we've got a target over here, Charlie. And I want you to stand here. You see that target on the wall? And I want you to pull that arrow back. And I want you to shoot the target. Oh, we'll give him another two shots, eh? Do you want to come forward a little bit? Stick that in there like that. There we go. Pull it back. Come on. Oh, not quite. One more time. A bit closer, yeah. Come a little bit closer. Come on, Charlie. Oh, it's a great attempt. Well done. Give him a round of applause. What he's done is he's perfectly illustrated sin for us, though, actually. So this word sin is actually about missing the mark. So as Charlie shot that arrow, he missed the mark that he was going for. Okay? And that's essentially what this word sin means. But you know, the difficulty is that when we look at ourselves, we tend to think that we're pretty much good people, aren't we? And actually, it's only bad people who sin. It's only those people who 
we don't associate with who sin. And we actually see ourselves maybe a little bit like this five-pound note. It's nice and it's new and it's crisp and it's very clear. We can see a very clear image on there. We're great image bearers, aren't we? That's how we see it. Who wants this five-pound note? Who wants it? Do you know, isn't it great to be wanted and to be valued? It is, isn't it? And the Bible tells us, just as that arrow fell short of the target, it tells us that we all, just as image bearers, we fall short. Okay? We miss the target. And even when we try our very hardest, and we try to be kind to people, and we try to help people out, actually, the image that we have still gets marred. Okay? Compared to God's image, the Bible tells us we are like filthy rags. Okay? We still get messy and dirty. And actually, these good things that we try and do, they can't keep us clean. They're probably still a bit selfish, fundamentally, in our hearts. I've got a little person who's come to help me, haven't I? It says, all of us, the Bible says, all of us have become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. And it says that in and of ourselves, we're actually prone to getting messy. And so we need to ask this question, what is the target that we're going for. If this word sin is about a target, what is this target that we're going for? You know, is it success? Is it about, let me just put that out there, is it success? Is it about making it in life? Is it about getting the best grades at school? Is it about the career path that you've chosen to go on and you've made it successfully? Is it about popularity? Is it about being the one that people want to hang about with? That's the popular one at school. They want to be in my gang. Is it about fame? Have we hit the target if we become famous? If actually everybody around the world knows who we are. They know our song lyrics. They know what sport we play. They all want to be us. Is it about security? Having the right, the nice house, the nice car, the things that we can fall back on. We feel safe and secure. Actually, the Bible tells us it's not about any of those things. Jesse, do you do me a favor? Run and get that target. Can you do that? You don't want to do that. Charlie, do you want to go get that target? No. Paul, run and get me the target, please. Just pull it off the wall. Let's find out what the Bible tells us is the target that we're aiming for. Pull it off the wall, if you can. There we are. Do you want to read that on the back? Well done, Paul. Thank you. We'll put that on the floor there. So essentially... The target that we're aiming for is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all our soul, and with all our minds. Sin is essentially whenever we don't choose to love God or others first. Okay? It actually always puts our own interests first. That's what sin does. And it makes us pretty messy. So, 
this five-pound note, which we all want, and we're image bearers, if we look at the Easter story and we look at some characters there, we see Judas, don't we? Got some beans here. We see Judas chose to betray Jesus for money, didn't he? He thought, actually, 30 silver coins sounds pretty good to me. And what he did is he went and betrayed him, and he sinned. And you know, sin makes us messy. Who wants this five-pound note? <laughs> still, still some keen people. Do you know when the crowd chose Barabbas over Jesus? They were going with what the religious leader said. And they wanted to release a murderer and a thief over someone who'd done absolutely nothing wrong. And so actually, all the people, they got messy. They sinned. It's even more messy. Who wants this now? Still a few. Okay. Do you know, sin's even messy than that. Peter, the great apostle Peter, he denied Jesus to save his own neck. He was scared, wasn't he? And he denied him three times. Here's one I made earlier. And he sinned. And sin makes us messy. Who wants this five-pound note now? Ugh. Put that one down there. Do you know, it's yucky, isn't it? And it's messy. But do you know, there's good news when we look to God. Okay, that's what we're doing this morning. And do you know, I want to tell you, his love is not based around us being lovable. That, that's a cute baby. You can't actually see it properly. It's a, it's a very lovable baby. It's not, around us be, it's not around us being cute like those penguins or like this baby that you can't see behind this one. The Bible actually tells us that he loves us when we are at our very worst. He loves us when we are messy like this. And I want to tell you, there's nothing, we've sang it this morning, there's nothing in life that will stop you from lo- stop God from loving you. Absolutely nothing. And you know, the important thing is he's not asking you to clean yourself up before he contemplates loving you. It's not what he's asking either. doesn't mean he wants to leave you looking messy and dirty, actually. God had an amazing plan to come and rescue mankind, to come and save us and to wash us clean forever. I want to come back to this image bearer. Okay, here we are, this five-pound note, this image bearer. And we found out essentially that we are all prone to getting messy, to falling short, to sinning, didn't we? And we found out that actually we, we missed the mark when it comes to loving God with all of our hearts, our souls, and our minds. And uh, so here we are, we're looking filthy. But Jesus had a rescue plan. He had a rescue to come and make us clean again, clean forever. He had a plan to deal with all this dirtiness. So God sent Jesus, his son, here we are, to earth, and he was perfect, actually. He was spotless. In fact, he hit the target every single time he hit that target. And actually, he was the perfect image bearer of himself. 
And the Bible tells us that actually there's a consequence to this dirtiness, this thing called sin. And as children, you may have heard about this word, consequence. When do we hear about consequence? Noah. You've forgotten. When you've been naughty. And what happens? What's your consequence normally? Jesse, you lose. You lose tablet time. That's Kindle. Yeah. If you really know what, you might get a smack bottom. We can't say that though, can we? I don't know. You get sent to bed early. Do you know, the Bible tells us there's a consequence for sin. And as we've looked at some of those consequences here, this consequence isn't about sitting down on the naughty step. Who knows about the naughty step? Ollie, you know about the naughty step, don't you? It's not even about when you really know what, you might get a smack bottom. Actually, the Bible tells us the consequence for this dirtiness, this sin, is death. It's an eternal punishment that lasts forever. It's life without God. And so Jesus, who came to earth, who never sins, he took our place on the cross. He died for us. Where we deserve death, he was crucified for us. He was killed and he was buried in the grave. And this was God's amazing rescue plan. Because he was perfect, because this was God's plan, he rose from the dead. He defeated this sin. He defeated and conquered death so that we could know him forever. forever. And that's what we're celebrating this morning, isn't it? This amazing victory over sin and death. He's rescued us from the penalty that we should have paid. And actually the Bible tells us that we have all been washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. As he was crucified on the cross, we were washed clean in his blood. I have tried this at home. It's not that easy actually. I'm not Jesus though. And he says he washes us thoroughly clean. Actually, so that we can't get dirty now. Because when God looks at you and I, he sees this perfect image of his son. Okay? Everyone's wondering, have I ruined this five-pound note now? Thank the Lord they bought out these new five-pound notes. Here we have this clean five-pound note now. Clear image. Washed clean forever by the blood of Jesus Christ. And you know, I've heard that there are four five-pound notes in circulation, special five-pound notes, that um, actually have here, it's a, it's a special little um, emblem on it. It's a drawing of a Jane Austen, a famous author. And these are only on four of the five-pound notes. I believe three of them have been found now anyway. But these notes aren't just worth five pounds. They're worth thousands and thousands of pounds. And the Bible actually tells us that he has marked us, his children. Okay, when we've been washed in his blood, we have been marked with a seal of his Holy Spirit, his own Holy Spirit who lives in you and I. 
and we are precious. Okay? So we found out that God sent his one and only son so that you and I could know him forever. He dealt with this sin. He's cleaned us forever and ever. And so we come, he's marked us with the Holy Spirit. We come to the final point. You're going to go to mum. Yeah. We come to the final point on this question. Okay. And um, I wanted to share something with you all. Because it's Easter, who would like a Cadbury's cream egg? Yeah. Everyone want one. So I'm going to share a Cadbury's cream egg with you all. But the problem is I only have one. Okay. So I'm going to talk it through and share this beautiful experience with you all. Are you ready? So here we have it. We all know what they look like. We've got this beautiful silver foil on it, haven't we? And it's wrapped always so neatly. I don't know how they do that. But as I take it off, I'm starting to smell just these flavors and scents of chocolate coming through. It's lovely. Mm. And look at that. It's just so neat. It always looks the same. I don't know how they do that. The smell is just beautiful. I love that chocolate smell. I'm just going to lick it. Mm. Mm, it's absolutely. Oh, I just love that scent, that taste of the chocolate. I'm like, mm, mm, you want a bite? I'm telling you how it tastes, son. Absolutely delicious. And look, inside here, we have, he's not allowed it anyway. Inside here, he wants to bite it. He's desperate for a bite of my cream egg. But I'm explaining it. Inside here, we've got what I love about the cream egg. It's the cream. Mm. Mm, absolutely delicious. Goes perfectly with the chocolate. Yeah, and you can actually oh, get the whole thing in your mouth. It never changes that taste. It's just beautiful, isn't it? Did you guys enjoy that? No? Why not? No, but I shared my cream egg with you all. I shared this beautiful experience of what that tasted like. Mm. Do you know, this morning I have talked about who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And just like that cream egg, I can explain this to you. But this morning, I want to tell you that Jesus wants you to experience him this morning. He wants you to choose him and to put your trust in him. So, fortunately, I have, I have a few other cream eggs. And I'm going to ask the kids to come up first. If you class yourself as a kid, please feel free to come up. You know, I'm going to offer it out now to adults. If you want to experience what it is, experience. They are excellent. Come on, once they're gone, they're gone. This requires you actually coming up and taking, tasting and experiencing this wonderful thing, the gospel. Not the cream egg. It's great. Who else wants one? Should I chuck one out? Is that just too dangerous? 
Health and safety? No, I won't do that. Someone else wants one or another one. It's great. Listen, Jesus this morning wants you to experience him. He wants you to enjoy tasting him and his victory, the security that comes in his love. And so just as you've taken that cream egg, just as you've decided, actually, I want to personally experience, we're going to stand and we're going to worship again and just experience who he is. And if you don't know him this morning and you want to know, actually, the love that he brings and the fact that he can cleanse us and deal with our sin, then he would invite you this morning to just ask him. And he wants that personal relationship to come into your life and seal you with his Holy Spirit.